Morning. Morning. It's very strange being up here. Usually I'm up here singing and stuff, but to, to come and talk, I'm like, it's going to be fine. And I mustn't cry, because only Nathan cries at the front. <laughs> I, uh, I don't usually volunteer to, to speak. And when they're sort of divvying up with the core team, I sort of hide under the guise of, I'm doing worship, everybody else can do the, the talky bit, because it's not me. And I felt very challenged at the last call meeting to say, I've got something to say. Because I think God's been talking to me before Clear Sound. And he started to, as Daniel sort of talked to us about it being an ascension way before the actual event, I started on that ascension. Initially, my focus was purely on the worship side of things. And I threw myself into that, organizing extra rehearsals, all those bits and pieces. But when I walked into that room the first time, God sort of said, put all that to one side. Put it all to one side. Lose your identity and just listen and see and observe and be part of what I'm about to do. And so I've got quite a number of fathers who I would call fathers. One sitting at the front here. John, I see him as my father as well. But I've got my birth dad as well. He's lost his, lost his belly. If you see him nowadays, you wouldn't believe. That's the only picture I could find of him, however. And this is my, my dad. This is the guy... I'm going to do a Nathan. <laughs> I was thinking about speaking about inheritance. And I thought, inheritance, we can look at it in numbers of different ways. And I can look, and Dad's always joked and stuff, and every time he books a cruise now, and he, go, he quite likes going on cruises with my mum, and it's amazing because they got to the stage, I don't know now, 30 years ago, when they lost absolutely everything. And it's the only time I've ever heard my dad cry. And he wasn't crying about the situation, but he was on his knees before his God. And he said... God, you said you couldn't give us more than we could bear. And he goes, this is it. I can't go any lower than I am now. And I heard that from my bedroom. And I was at private school where he was paying fees for me to go. And I thought, Dad, take me out of this place. I'll do anything. I'll go to the state school. I don't care. But I don't want to see you and Mum suffer anymore. And he goes, don't concern yourself, son. God's answered the prayer already. And I thought it was a really strange thing for him being on his knees and crying to that position of taking his inheritance. So when he goes on his cruises and stuff, we now joke with him. And we send him a text saying this. My brother's usually the first. It's like, stop spending it. There'll be nothing left. And he goes, don't worry. You're all going to get your equal share. But we joke about it. But we say, don't leave us a penny. We're not interested in the money. We're not interested in what's to come. And at Clear Sound, I think, I got a revelation of God's Father heart. Probably, I think, for the first time. Totally, totally got it. And when it came, it came when during worship and praise, 
And I'm going to call them the two Ollies. My Oliver over there, and little Ollie. Ollie Oluwetu. I've always read that story of Moses coming down the mountain after we'd been in the presence of God. And I said his face shone so brightly that they had to sort of draw almost like a curtain across his face because the people couldn't look upon him. And I couldn't look at those two boys at Clear Sound. Why? Because the presence of God was radiating from them both. And I thought to myself, I might not leave him any money, I might not leave him any property, but I've introduced him to the King of Kings. And that's his inheritance. That's my son's inheritance. And I was so thankful to God. So thankful. I thought, God, you're absolutely amazing. My dad was a stowaway. He had unpacked this a few years ago. His father was fairly cruel. He lived with a daughter by his grandmother. And uh, his father was in Liberia and asked my mother to say, send Sam across. My dad's name is Sam. He went across there. When he got across there, he nicked his passport out of spite for my mum. And my dad being my dad, sort of said, okay. He believed in God back then. And he spent time praying about it. God, what do I do? What do I do? How do I get home? And eventually, he used to go and help the fishermen out, bring the nets in and bits and pieces, and worked out their schedules and worked out a time where he could jump on that boat and stow away, proper stow away. And he did it. Didn't tell us this for years and years and years. But I look at God's protection over him, and I look at what he does. When we get back home, when we go and visit this place called Daventry, small little town in Northamptonshire, the grandkids, or my sons and daughters, when they walk through town with him, they're always amazed because my dad knows everybody. Everybody. And I mean everybody. You're walking down the street, you're going to get five paces. Hello, Sam. Hello. Hello, Sam. Hello. Hello, Sam. Hello. Hello, Sam. And on and on it goes. And I remember at least the first time I was saying, Granddad, you know everybody. And he does, pretty much. And that was the town where he hit his rock bottom, where he had nothing left, where they didn't want, at those times, a black guy being successful in business in the town. And through no fault of his own, really, they brought his business down the first time and caused it to crash. And he goes, I could be bitter about it, Mark, but he says, God tells me to serve them. And he's an accountant, and he has served them. He served the children of the people that actually caused his business to collapse. The first thing you have to do when you meet my dad in his accountancy role is come upstairs. And he says nine times out of ten, people are there at rock bottom saying stuff is not going right. And he could put on his accountancy hat and says, let's look at the figures. But he doesn't do that. He goes, we're going to pray. And he sits and he prays with people. Some of them have got no comprehension of God at all. And he goes, my God, my God is going to revive your business. And time after time after time, people come back and said, Sam, I don't know what you did, but can you do it again, please? 
Mum says to him, Sam, you've got to retire. He's got no chance. He said it's not about the accountancy. He's about his father's business. He's about his father's business. So as I looked at those two boys, Ollie and Ollie, I was thinking, that's the inheritance transferred to them by my father in heaven that's been transferred to me by my biological father that's been transferred to him by his grandmother. And my upbringing, I remember, and I was talking to Elise about it a few nights ago. My dad used to make me recite the Lord's Prayer and the 23rd Psalm before I went to bed. And you might look at it and think that's religiosity, but he wanted me to remember my father in heaven every single day. And I started unpacking the 23rd Psalm with, with Elise, and she jokes and laughs about it. And I say, all that stuff is truth. And it's the journey that God takes us on. And whatever situation we face, it's part and parcel of his purpose. Part and parcel of his, uh, of his purpose. Oliver's encounter when he saw the angels, I was like, oh, I wish I could have seen the angels. Up to that point, I've only known another, one other person. That's James. And I thought, that's amazing. The angels were in that room. The presence was there. Jacob saw this gold thread energy thing going through. And I was thinking, that's just amazing. So it moved from a position of feeling, oh, I wish, really wish I'd seen that, to claiming it and saying, I did see it because my son saw it. And in his testimony, I'm claiming it. And Neil will unpack a little bit more of that in a few minutes' time. But it's that claiming of somebody else's testimony in this new season. How often do we sometimes sit there and think to ourselves, well, that's all right for them, but God hasn't done it for me. Let's flip it on its head and say, let's celebrate with those that have been set free and released and healed. Let's get behind that. Let's celebrate our God, our King. He's miraculous. He's superb. I don't have enough words to describe my God. But I know that I know what it is to be a father in a biological sense. And I now know what it means to be a transfer for my sons and my daughter. This is where it all started for me. Daventry Methodist Church. Doesn't it look wonderful? I'll tell you a very quick story about this. Just before Christmas, or a few, few months before Christmas, we went there to attend a family christening, which was in Coventry. I thought I'd surprise my parents. We'll just pop into this Daventry Methodist before we went to the christening in the afternoon. And I went in there, and I look at the people in here, and I think, we are struggling to seat people because we're so full. And I went there, and every time I go there, the rows are going further and further back. There used to be this wonderful section of these little tiny wooden chairs. And I always remember sitting on those, and every year you sort of got promoted within the junior church. And you can move back a row. For those that have been in the sort of church, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, great, I can move to the next row back. All those chairs were gone. They didn't exist anymore. When we took our four children in there, we doubled the size of the children's work. And it broke my heart. I thought, this is an empty building where there was joy, where there was laughter, 
where there was family stuff, where I grew up, where I fell in love with this man called Jesus. What's going on, God? What have you got to say? And interestingly, the, the, the vicar that was talking that day, she stood up and said, I'm going to talk about something a little bit strange today. But ultimately, she was talking about yesteryear. What happened in the past? The glory days. When this church was vibrant and it was bustling and bits and pieces. And I stood there and I sat there in the chair and I was thinking, something's not right. What is it? And she talked about the fact that as a circuit of churches, because that's the way the Methodist churches work, they have a circuit where there's about eight or nine different churches and they all chip in some cash and it pays for all the stuff to be done between the circuit. And and she said, we're considering trying between the circuit to raise enough money to pay a salary for a youth worker to come in and get involved in drumming up some business. And I was thinking, what is going on here? And then God sort of said, hmm, you're going on here. And all I can describe it like, I had it only once at a time in my life, and that's when I gave my life to Jesus again in this very hall facing that way about 20 years ago. It almost felt like I'd sat under a sun lamp and it was just really warm above my head. I was like, oh my gosh, don't make me do this. Please don't make me do this. I said to T, I feel like I've got to say something. And my wife, I was hoping she would say, no, just sit down and be quiet. She goes, she goes put your hand up then. <laughs> Thank you, darling. So there it is. She's in mid-flow. And I sort of... She goes, yes. Bear in mind, she'd never met me before. She goes, yes. I said, could I say something, please? She goes, yes. And then I thought, right, I've dropped myself right in it now. I didn't have a clue what to say, genuinely. And God says, get up and walk to the front. And I was like, God, better give me something, because there's only a few paces. <laughs> and I got up there, and I stood behind this pulpit, and I looked out. And I did a Nathan. I burst into tears. And I said to them as a church, I am your yesteryear. I'm part of a vibrant church in London where we can't even see enough people, where we've got huge amounts of young people that encounter God, where we breed like, you know, lots of babies around the place. (laughs) But what I want you to do today is to appreciate where God has placed you. Appreciate it. This is not everywhere. This is not everywhere. And I said, you are sitting there pretty much all waiting to die. I didn't mix my words. I said that every time I come, there's less and less people and the rows move back, not for the right reason of being, people being promoted, but it's people getting taken out in wooden boxes. I said there was junior church here. It was full of young kids. We had a vibrant youth club. We'd take a coach full of youth down to MAYC London every year. 
What's going on? Have you forgotten? I said, it's not about youth worker. It's about you just you, you doing the stuff that God's given you to do. Rather than saying that was for a time and a season gone. The long and short of it is, they have what's called a church committee, which votes on everything. That's part of that committee. He's on it to try and bring some stability and order, because he said it's awful usually. People arguing about this, that and the other. But I got an email when I got home, after I'd left them in that bombshell, from the person that was running the junior church. She said, what have you done? She goes, my phone has not stopped ringing by people saying, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? The net result is, believe it or not, in that same building, in that hall at the end, they run a play and chat, which has got a waiting list. They've never thought to invite a single person in that environment to come on a Sunday morning to get involved in church life. They have now. The entire committee voted a unanimous decision to say, yes, we'll invest in this. Yes, we'll make it happen. And suddenly, the people are alive again. That's their inheritance. That's their inheritance. I shouldn't have been there that day. It was really bizarre. But the vicar said when I sat down, I don't need to say anything more. On the way out of the building, she sort of said to me, thank you. I says, don't thank me. Thank him. And that's what it's about. Very last story, because I'm trying to keep to my time. The check. This is from my, uh, my sister. It was sent to the boys at Christmas. It's still sitting in the basket at home. I prepped a lot of stuff to stay today. And uh, just to, just, just to uh, just prove the fact, I even got Bible verses and, and everything. And it's amazing how God just says sometimes, put down what you've prepared and just say what I've given you to say. So this is the last thing for this morning. My sister wrote that check out in, before Christmas um, and uh, it was in the Christmas card and the boys took it. As far as my sister's concerned, she has spent that money, hasn't she? As far as the boys are concerned, have they received the money yet? Have they received the actual worth of this piece of paper? No. That only happens at what point? When you put it into the bank. When you actually go and physically pay it in. And not even that, then you've got to wait about four days, don't you, before you can actually get the thing. So Jacob's thing to me was, I put it in the bank, how long do I have to wait? <laughs> the thing for me at Clear Sound that I got, God wrote my check out before he spoke me into being. It was written before time. And he's written a check out for all of you. Have you cashed it in yet? Have you cashed it in?
because we're carrying this thing. I realised while I was away, the fullness of God dwells within me. The fullness of God dwells within each one of us. But we haven't cashed in. Sometimes I think we sort of think, shall I pay it in, shall I not pay it in? I believe for us in this broad place, We've been through narrow places, high places, low places, round the bend, and now it's the broad places time. It's quite interesting, isn't it? What, what a journey. What does that look like when we cash in on God's inheritance? What does it look like when we actually start to step out and say, I've cashed it in? The crazy thing is, God's already banked it for you. So not only has he written the check out, he's also placed it in the bank. Yeah, you already have the full inheritance of everything that he's purposed for you. Everything, it's all done. But are you using that? So my cry has been, God, what's mine to do right now? What's mine to do in this season? And I'm hoping at this point in time, each one of us are saying, what is ours to do in this wide place? Are we going to fully stretch ourselves? Norma gave me this thing. She goes to me while we're away. She goes, I just sensed you. You must like you want to spread your wings. Now's the time. And I believe that's for everybody in here. Now is the time for us to spread our wings. The narrow place is finished. Might not feel like it is. And I think we get so used to the space in which we've been contained in that even when we step out into that wide space, you're thinking, well, I've sort of got comfortable here. I got comfortable being squashed and restricted and stuff. Now's the time to spread your wings. Now's the time to flex. Now's the time to see, God, what is it? Show me new stuff. Now's the time to see stuff springing up all over the place. Now's the time to see new birth. Now's the time to see green shoots appearing all over the place. Now's the time to get behind somebody else that's seeing something and saying, I'm going to stand with you in this. Let's walk together. Now's the time to dare to see something different. Your check's already been written. Your inheritance has already been banked on behalf of God. What are you doing with what he's given you? Some of you might think, I haven't got a clue what he's given me. Quite a simple thing to do, ask. I was listening to uh, one of Bill Johnson's talks yesterday, and it's interesting what Phil said there, that sometimes we struggle, say, God's not talking to me. And his phrase was, are you talking to God about the stuff that God's got for you? I think God's talking all the time. But we're not tapped into what he's saying. God's involved. God wants to chat with you. God wants to reveal stuff to you. But sometimes we're talking about a completely different agenda rather than his. Jump back into his and suddenly the communication starts and we start to move on. So that's my little bit before Neil comes. Okay, um, that's great.
So we're going to look at we're just going to look at a particular uh, video, and I'm going to talk about it a little afterwards um, today. Um, our inheritance is what Mark's been talking about. What is our inheritance? Should pretty much just be at the front. It's just the front side. What is our inheritance? You see, one of the things is we can look in the we can look in the Bible, and it tells us lots of wonderful spiritual truths about our inheritance. Um, one of the other things that's wonderful about being part of a church is our inheritance we unfolds around us. Uh, now, Bill Johnson's talking in this video. It's about ten minutes long, um, so. Uh, I'm going to be quiet for 10 minutes. But in this particular video, he's talking about the power of testimony. He's talking about the power of testimony and what it does when we give a testimony. Okay? Now, when a testimony is given, just hold it in your head. This is as a little, like the link. This is part of our inheritance. Every time someone gives a testimony... When Mark gives a testimony about being excited about the faith that his children has, I can have that same excitement for myself. I can believe I can see it in my own kids. Praise God. If I couldn't see it in my own kids, though, I can still take hold of it. Anyway, let's see what, let's see what the man says. And the testimony is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is what? Spirit of prophecy, spirit, the realm of anointing that is prophetic in nature. A prophecy will either foretell a future, in other words, this is going to happen, or it'll change an immediate event. The time Chris prophesied over a heroin addict and called him a holy man, while he's a heroin addict. But by the time the prophecy was over, the man had no more desire for heroin, was completely delivered in the room here, just through the power of prophecy. Because prophecy either points to the future and describes what's coming, or it changes immediate events. Now, follow this. The testimony of Jesus, anything a spoken or written record of anything God has done, is the spirit of prophecy. So now think of a testimony now as that which causes a change in present events. The word testimony in the Hebrew, which is Old Testament, the word testimony comes from a root word that means do again. So every time a testimony is spoken, it comes with it God's covenant to repeat the miracle. So the reason we share the testimony is because we want to create the atmosphere for the miracle to be duplicated. And so when we had a little three-year-old who had club feet and he was healed, I had a team of students with me on the coast of Northern California over in Fortuna, and they brought this little, little boy named Chris. They brought him to the students to pray for him. And he had club feet. And when they were through praying, his feet were f perfectly flat. They put him on the ground, flat on the ground for the first time in his life. And one of his little friends comes up to him. A little girl comes up and says, run, Chris, run. And he takes off running in this circle. And he comes running. He goes in a circle about 20 feet out, comes running back, and he goes, I can run. 
And like two weeks later, we had a neighbor of his visit us on a Sunday. They drove all the way from Eureka over just to come for a Sunday morning service. He said, we live right where next door neighbors of little Chris who, who had his, his club feet healed. I said, well, how is he doing? They said, he's been running for two weeks. He just, he just runs and runs and runs. <clears throat> so I, I share that. Yeah, yay God for that, huh? Isn't that amazing? So wonderful. So wonderful. So I share that story here, and I'm sharing the principle of testimony. Right over here is a woman from Montana. She, brought, uh, she was visiting from Montana. She, uh, her little girl had uh, almost two years old, was in her nursery. Her feet turned in so severe that she would trip over her own feet when she would run. And um, she heard the principle of the testimony, that the testimony has the power to change present events. She heard that the word testimony means do it again. So whenever, God, whenever we share a testimony, God is ready to do it again. And so she heard the testimony, and she said, just in her heart, she didn't say it out loud, she said in her heart, I'll take that from my daughter. When the service was over, she went to the nursery, got her little two-year-old, and her daughter's feet were already perfectly straight. <laughs> Nobody prayed for the child. Right? Nobody prayed for the child at all. Um, it just happened through the power of the testimony that found a recipient. The mother who represented the child said, I'll take that for my daughter, and the daughter was healed. I shared that story in, uh, with uh, Mahesh and Bonnie Shavda back in North Carolina. And, um, and I shared the story about uh, little Chris and the club feet. I shared the story of this little girl. And uh, our driver uh, was from Brazil. And uh, he would drive us to the tent or where the conference was, back to the hotel every day. And uh, the driver grabs us. He says, <clears throat> "My is his sister-in-law, I believe, is in Brazil, and she was watching the meeting tonight on streaming video on the internet. And she heard you talk about the testimony. She heard you talk about the club feet being healed, the little girl's feet being healed. And he says." Her daughter is about 10 or 11 years old. Her feet are so turned in that they're deformed. And the, uh, she's a beautiful young girl, but people just stare at her feet. It's really humiliating. It's embarrassing for her. And the mother was watching you on the, her computer. And she heard you mention the, club feet, the, the feet testimony in the principal. And the mother turned and called to her little girl in another room. And the little girl said, yes, mommy, and came into the hallway. And the mother looked at her at a distance and said, take off your shoes. She took off her shoes, and the mother said, come here. As she walked towards her mother, her feet were completely healed. So, now the difference between power, ministering in power, and ministering in authority is huge. When you minister in power, you're looking for the movement of the Spirit of God. I was standing here one Sunday night, and I felt the healing presence of Jesus come from that back part of the room. I can't tell you how I felt it. I knew as clear as I know I'm standing here. The healing presence of Jesus came in that back room. I stopped, and I said, the healing presence of Jesus just came into the room. 
As soon as the words came out of my mouth, a man that was sitting right back over here had prostate cancer. The cancer left his body, verified by the doctor that week. A woman sitting right over here had a tumor in her breast. A friend reached over and just touched her shoulder. The tumor dissolved. It was people responding to that healing presence of Jesus. As soon as it was announced, what did we do? All we, do was, all we did was ride the wave of God's power. You want to learn to do that. But many people who know how to function well in this kind of a setting don't know what to do when they're at the mall because there is no great worship team setting the atmosphere. There's nobody preaching a faith message that uh, you know, is going to create that, that atmosphere where the presence of God is just moving through the mall. It just doesn't happen that way. You have to minister out of another place when you're out in public places. You have to minister out of authority. Power is when you catch a wave. Authority is when you start the wave. Authority is you're not sure what God's doing, but you believe. And you have an opportunity to see a breakthrough. And while you may not feel especially anointed, you may not feel the fire of God on your hands, you may not feel all the things that you might be looking for, you just have a heart for the person. Make sure when you minister to people, the one thing you get be, you can ensure the people of, uh, that person experiencing is that they experience the love of God. That's the one thing you, you must uh, promise yourself, that you will display God's love. Now, God's love is often displayed in power for healing and deliverance. But make sure that that person knows they're not just a notch on your Bible so that you can have a good story to tell. We're not interested in having good stories to tell. We're interested in showing the love of God to people. Testimonies are really important for us. They're not just important. They're not important at all so that we get to show off. They are very important in that we get to boast in God, boast in what he's doing. I really want to stress honesty in a testimony. If, you know, I've had people come up to me in a meeting. They said, they said I prayed for someone today. I, I just was so nervous, but I just... I just kind of bit the bullet and I prayed for them and they got healed and I'm so excited. And then I have them give their testimony about the thing half hour later and the story completely changes. I just knew that God was going to heal this person. I'm thinking, that's not what you told me, you know, a half hour ago. I want, I want honesty. I want honesty in the story. If you didn't think it would happen and it happened anyway, tell me. Tell me that because I need that. Because sometimes, sometimes I'm real nervous and praying for somebody. Sometimes... I don't think this one's going to happen at all, and then God surprised me. I need to know that. The people around need to know that. But also, don't, don't, don't take on a false modesty if you knew that you knew that you knew the person was going to be healed. I need to know that that's possible. I need to know that. When I hear the story, when somebody tells me, you know, it's just one of those things. I had the Spirit of God came on me, and there was no question in my mind that this person would be healed. If you experience that and you tell the story, please include that part. Do so God gets the glory, but please include that part. Don't withhold stuff to appear modest. I, I, I don't care about that. I want the truth. And the reason is if you speak the truth. I can tell you a story, a testimony this morning. And I could make it up, and it would be a lie. Obviously, I would never do that. But if I did it, there would be no power on it. Those who listen only with their mind would never recognize it because they're looking for something to tickle their curiosity. 
But those who feed from the Spirit would realize the Holy Spirit was never released in that story. Why? Because it was a lie. What does that mean then? It means that when you speak the truth, you actually are releasing the Spirit of God to transform a person. If you speak out of your experience, you're not just giving information, you're giving the power for transformation. Slight technical hitch that um, Mark and I called our files the same thing, which is always interesting, but that's fine. Yeah, okay, so are we up to, that's the, sec the slide after the video, yeah, fine. Okay, so we always ask the question, or I'd rather say we, in a loose sense, when, when um, Lorraine interviews you and you're giving a testimony, what do you want to thank God for? Ultimately, testimony is about what we want to thank God for. And that's very important to keep at the centre of what we're doing when we declare what God has done. Testimony draws attention to the Father. It doesn't draw attention to the journey. It draws attention to what God has done for me on my journey. Because when we draw attention to the Father, others can find him as well. When we give testimony, we're providing an opportunity for others to celebrate, to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. And that, on its own, is a pretty amazing thing. And really important. You know, I have a crooked spirit sometimes. I can hear the thanksgiving of someone else and, and think, why didn't that happen for me? Why didn't I see angels? Why didn't this thing happen for me? Well, we need to confess when that is the case. Because actually, biblically, there's no excuse for selfishness. Yeah, we, our faith is based on, on the Father, the Father who loves to give good gifts. So when God speaks and works in someone else's life, what an amazing thing. That's when God is touching the world around me, and I want to give thanks for that. I don't want to be ever in a place of half-hearted thanksgiving for what God is doing in someone else's life. You know, God has saved me. God has loved me so much he sent his son to die for me so that I might actually be able to be in his presence Everything else is immaterial. To be with him is the best. When we give testimony, we're declaring what God has done. And it reminds everyone of his love and faithfulness to us. And uh, it releases that grace and power to change immediate events. Um, the Bill Johnson interpretation of that Hebrew word. We're saying, do it again. We're saying, do it again. We're saying, look, here's an amazing thing that God has done amongst us. Lord, we believe that you are powerful. Do it again. So, so I just want to remind you of some of those testimonies that we've heard, even today. Because I believe that as we've been reminded, or even taught maybe for the first time, that actually 
Testimony is not just a good story. Testimony is prophetic. Testimony declares something of the power of God, of his ability to touch lives and to change them. That as you heard Caroline talking about Joel's faith and wanting to see Joel experience God in a new way, but actually coming to a place of knowing that he was still Joel, but now he's been touched by the Holy Spirit of God. Maybe you've, you're hearing that and thinking, I want that for my child. That's okay. That's not being selfish. That's picking up that prophetic moment. That would be exactly the thing that we're talking about in this video, that you can pick up and say, yeah, that's what I want for me. Maybe it's James's testimony. Maybe it's James's testimony of God saying, it's all right, be still, rest in me. Maybe it's that thread. If you're in the youth and uh, you, you heard Jacob say, I saw God connecting us together with a gold thread. Now you didn't see that, but that doesn't mean that you can't grab hold of that promise that God has sewn our young people together with a gold thread. Why gold? Gold doesn't ever tarnish. Gold is pure. Gold is expensive. What God's done amongst you has come at a cost. But what he's done won't ever fade. It's powerful. Maybe you're a young person or an older person that hasn't been filled with the Spirit. There's a promise this morning that you can be filled with the Spirit because Sedi was filled with the Spirit. We heard others talking of speaking in tongues. Oscar's eyesight, Oliver's leg, Sia seeing a breakthrough in a relationship. So each of those testimonies have, have gone past us this morning, have been spoken out into this room. And what we're saying is that as those prophetic words, as those testimonies have been spoken... God's providing an opportunity for us to say, yeah, that's for me. So what I'd like, what I think is um, pretty much we're, we're done. I had, you know, a whole dog and pony show to hand. <laughs> had a whole dog and pony show. But um, we won't do that today. What I feel is we've had everything we need. We've, we're full. But actually, there may be something you want to respond to. And it, there have been other testimonies that you've heard. So let's just, let's just pray. Father, I just ask that you would stir us up, that we wouldn't be content with the status quo when we hear a testimony that we're hungry for in our own lives. Lord, cause us to reach out to you for it. Lord, let us, let us be those that would dare to believe that what we see you doing in other li- others' lives, you would do for us too. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for your love uh, to this body, for so rich a testimony that you've placed amongst us. Lord, we just ask for that to increase and to increase, and there to be that multiplication amongst us as we lay down our lives for one another. Lord, let, let you be glorified. 
Hallelujah, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen.